as I, I, I was walking through the towers, I was in the North Tower that day at the time when the first plane hit the facade, the northern facade of the North Tower. And nobody had any clue what had happened. You know, some people thought perhaps a bomb had gone off. At least that's what they were saying on the phones as they were screaming and, and, and shouting. There was a tremendous amount of chaos. One thing I very clearly remember is there was a, the first time in my life I experienced and witness that fear that had gripped uh, such a large amount of people all in, at once in that moment. Yeah. You know, a moment before the world was spinning just fine. And then in, yes. the, in one microsecond, a split second, it was swathed in, in that some unknown fear, fear of as if that something was imminent. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle, and welcome back to the show. Joining us today is Kushal Choksi, who is an entrepreneur, a first-time author, and a former Wall Street trader. After graduating from Carnegie Mellon University, he started his career at Goldman Sachs in New York, and narrowly escaping death during the 9-11 attacks, he realized that life was too short to be playing safe. And we're going to be talking about that today on the show and your first book, Kushal, on a wing and a prayer, spirituality for the reluctant, the curious, and the seeker. Welcome. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to have you because you have such an interesting story and I loved your memoir. I feel like I learned so much um, and I felt so deeply touched. I think anyone who's old enough can remember where they were on September 11th. I can't believe it's 20 years now. Um, I was working in a law office in Boston and my window overlooked the Logan airport where those planes took off. And mm. I just remember that day so, so vividly as we all do. And it's still very, so very sad to remember, but you were, you were there um, in the building. And I, I wonder if you would be okay with just sharing like you did in the book, some of your experiences from that day, because it's clearly prompted a whole life journey for you of, of self-introspection and um, healing. Certainly. And I don't know how graphic you want me to be, but it the day started like any other day. You know, I was on my way to work. Uh, I used to work on the east side of the Manhattan Island. And um, as I, I, I was walking through the towers, I was in the North Tower that day at uh, at the time when the first plane hit the hit the facade as the, the, the northern facade of the north tower and nobody had any clue what had happened you know, some people thought perhaps a bomb had gone off at least that's what they were saying on the phones as they were screaming and 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 shouting there was a tremendous amount of chaos one thing i very clearly remember is there was a the first time in my life i experienced and witnessed that fear that had gripped uh, such a large amount of people all in, at once in that moment. Yeah. You know, a moment before the world was spinning just fine. And then in, yes. in one microsecond, a split second, it was it was swathed in, in that some unknown fear, fear of as if that something was imminent. Um, and not knowing what to do, I I just you know gravitated towards my my commute, you know, to walking out of the building towards my work. And were you on I, the first floor? I didn't mean to interrupt. You were not upstairs. I was on the second floor, yes, on the mezzanine, okay. um, which was, yeah. I, fortunately, I was a much, you know, on a, at a much lower floor where I could, um, oh, if I decided, I could just step out. Uh, yes. But that in that moment, I very clearly remember there was a security announcement that was asking people to, to stay inside. A well-meaning announcement, for sure, because it was quite unsafe outside, and Against that announcement, prompted by someone, I just stepped out. Uh, and as I'm outside, I'm, I'm looking at what's happening 
um, it was something very, very um, unreal. It's something hard to imagine, let alone process by the senses in that moment, where I, I see actually people, you know, jumping off of the higher floors, the um, the the first responders going in, uh, the sirens wailing around us. It, it was just it was just too much in in that 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 moment. Um, and while I'm trying to make sense of that all, the another plane comes from the left corner of my eye and and just pierces the the south tower in a in an ear spitting sound and a huge bottle of fire on the other side. And, and at that moment, I it was imminent that this was this was not a freak accident. You know, this this was perhaps a deliberate action. And and as I moved away from the building, I was walking towards the east side um, I, I hear this huge rumble and, and I look back and this north tower is collapsing and it's created this huge smoke and cloud and debris the dust arose from the ground it was gushing through those narrow alleys of uh, lower Manhattan you know engulfing everyone and anyone that that was coming its way and this was like almost like a scene from a movie I, I'm looking behind this smoke is coming and I'm, I'm running you probably have seen some of those footages where this dust and debris is just gushing through lower manhattan yes um and i ran and there was a ferry commuter ferry pulling out the gangway had been pulled in but i just jumped le- leapt and just got onto the boat and oh i was perhaps the last person to leave on the last boat that left manhattan that day and in that moment i realized that you know, <laughs> I had become a statistic, uh, a 9-11 survivor. It's unbelievable. It really, your story, even 20 years later, just, it brings tears to my eyes, just, just knowing, I mean, how tragic and awful that must have been to have lived through that, but then also the blessing of you knowing that you were one of the fortunate ones that actually did survive, but yeah. then actually also having to live with what you witnessed, because talk about trauma. I mean, you saw people jumping out of the windows. That's just, I mean, that partially is what made me just tear up now. Just the thought of that is is so painful uh, that that was, you know, what was happening and just the fear to, to know that somebody chose to leap to their death versus the unknown of what was coming at them is just so sad. Yeah, it was, um, it was very difficult. And I, I did not even know how to process it, frankly. You know, I... Initially, my knee jerk was to just retrieve in my own cocoon, just, just withdraw because I didn't know. I, talking about it, thinking about it kind of took me back to those, those moments. I mean, those graphic moments are still so vivid in my mind. Even if I close my eyes, I can see that, mm. uh, you know, people holding their hands. and jump. It, it was just, you know, uh, tragic, tragic. Um, and I never imagined a country like this where I'd come to as an immigrant had come to live and uh, to, 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 to pursue an American dream, what was becoming of all that? You know, th- this is not where I, this is not the country I knew. Um, and so it was, it was too, too many things happening in, in too little, too short frame of a time. And like how you said it on, on one, a part of me was feeling very grateful. A part of me was feeling fortunate to have uh, made it out. Yes, um, and so there was this renewed sense of a renewed sense of enthusiasm that okay, now I need to go after the things that I've started with even more energy, and finish that unfinished business with with even more intensity, and then on the other side, there was this part of me that felt so blah about it. It felt, but what's the point? You know, you were fortunate this time. Maybe next time you're not so fortunate and. Is there a point to what this seventy-hour work week uh, that that I was, you know, effort or, or putting in to this Wall Street career without even asking why I was doing what I was doing? Right. So there was this interesting push and pull that I experienced in the in the same moment, and 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 that created a void, a strange sense of void within which I did not know how to, you know, how to come out of it. Right. You know, and you 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 you've been in you know New York and you you know how it is. It's a city like New York forces you to be very resilient. You know it it almost beckons you to wear something like this as a badge of honor. Pick up yourself, you know, pick yourself up and just move on. And 
so I did that. But you know, I, to an onlooker, I was living I was living a normal life. Perhaps um, I did not talk about this to anyone. But somewhere inside my you know inside my being, there was something missing. I felt like there has to be more to life than than what I'm doing or what I have been doing. Yes, yes, and you were trying to escape to some degree with a lot of external activities you talk about in the book of even learning how to fly a plane and taking all sorts of exciting uh, trips to different parts of the world that, you know, most people don't go to. And at the time it was with your girlfriend, now wife, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did that just because I didn't know how to deal with that void. And I thought if I do this, it'll perhaps fulfill me. So I would do this go to a remote corner of the world and only to come back to that same space of void. I would change careers, move, move from a promising Wall Street job to a startup thinking that would bring fulfillment. But little did I know it was, it all proved to be some distractions. And I would just keep coming back to that, that space that, no, this is not it. And I would do something even crazier, even more adventurous, like, like learning to fly a plane, you know, and, and I was, no, this is not it. <laughs> so it was an interesting um, pursuit for for in no particular direction, not knowing where I was, where it was leading. Where I was Absolutely. Going. I mean, were you depressed? I don't think I was. I was depressed. I was. There was a sense of disinterest and a sense of urgency. A, a, a fake sense of urgency, born at the same time. Mm. So I don't think I was depressed, but I was. I was definitely questioning everything that I was doing. You know, it was the first time I was, um, there was, there was a disinterest for the first time I experienced that disinterest in the mundane. Mm. Um, and I, I, I felt that no, about running up the corporate ladder. No, right. Life is not about big bonuses. No. So it was, no, this is not it. No, this is not it. I did not know what it is about yes. or what I'm supposed to do. But I knew that what I was doing in that moment wasn't really bringing me that deep sense of fulfillment. Yes. Well, you had a, an awakening of the importance of and the preciousness of our lives. It sounds right. Like that, you know, that you write in the book, you know, all of us at some point, we're going to have a 9-11 moment, whether or not it's as traumatic and, or a diagnosis of a health, uh, you know, something, mm-hmm. cancer or something like that. Um, but everyone deals with it differently. And it sounds like for you, you were somehow guided to something with, that was going to start taking you within. Can you tell us that story of how meditation and breathing entered your life and started to uh, soften some of that void in your heart to, to let you know that maybe there is another way to, to feel connected to life in the way that we're intended to. I believe that we're intended to when we're not busying ourselves with some of the, it's sort of a dance of, we need to have some ambition. And yeah. yet also, so how, how did you first start on that path? So it's interesting. And, and that's where perhaps the subtitle of my book comes from, the spirituality for the reluctant, the curious and the seeker, because it was that experience of meditation and the breath work for the first time that gave my reluctance, you know, and, and made way for, for some curiosity. Um, I was reluctant because I, I had always thought that uh, meditation was something you do when you're done with everything else in life, um, a pursuit for later age, a pursuit when you don't have any more responsibilities, something that's anti-ambition, I thought, how, how mistaken I was. I thought to, medit- to be able to meditate, to, to be able to take out that time from your precious 24 hours, you have to drop everything that you're doing and perhaps go to a monk. Uh, go to a cave, become a monk, and, and, and <laughs> devote and, your life to it. <laughs> devote to, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really thought that that the, the pursuit of happiness, as I knew, and meditation were mutually exclusive things. Interesting. Um, and so, hence the reluctance to 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 go towards something. In the meantime, I had read about it all. You know, I had read about in I read about all these things as a concept. You know, they had they were very firmly established concepts as if almost as if somebody who's never had 
a tiramisu and you talk about them and you explain it to them so they read about every recipe on the planet they know it how to make it but they've never tasted it interesting so i was i was that i was that guy yeah. and the first time i experienced so this my spiritual teacher um uh, shri shri ravi shankar who was traveling from india to new york uh, and there was a public talk that that he was addressing it was open to all and uh, somehow um, as reluctant as i was through a sequence of funny events i i ended up there and the first time i meditated i experienced that 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 void that stillness for the first time ever in my life and i thought there's something in here i i had i had always wanted to do I had read about this power of now being in the moment yes. don't let your mind wander in the future and the past but I had struggled to really make it happen you know i didn't know how and here unbeknownst to any expectations without any effort i just i just experienced that i just landed that and it was beautiful but you know a, a wall street train left brain is not so forgiving you know it it started asking but show me the science show me the data right. you know were you really relaxing or you did you sleep off that's why you didn't have any thoughts maybe you were so tired from the last night's party you know <laughs> right what, what, this was this just maybe a placebo what, what is it right and so when i started looking at the research and i started looking at the un- underlying data of how this breathwork and meditation work ah that was an, a big aha moment for me in that and i was like no this is something that i must pursue as i don't know if anything else has the answer but i'm not yet ruled out that this thing does not have the answer mm-hmm. and just for that i'm going to go further deeper into it i love it and how many people were in the room that day yeah, perhaps maybe 150 200 people Wow, and you were yeah. able to get into that stillness and that that beautiful place even with all those people sitting there. What what kind of meditation was it or breathing were you doing? It was a uh, Gurudev Shri Shri Ravi Shankar led a guided meditation um uh, in uh that afternoon I clearly remember. And it was just he first there was some something about him the first time I I saw him um another another reason for my reluctance was um a distinct aversion to to teachers spiritual teachers you know i i was not from my past experience um i was squarely unimpressed and also i thought they all had an agenda so i i don't i didn't need a, a spiritual master or teacher yes uh little did i know that you know i i never had a problem learning mathematics and finance from a teacher but something as as subtle as navigating through my own maze of mind i was averse to having a, a guide a coach um put that put that aside for for a moment but there was something about him he was he appealed to my left and right brain at the same time you know there was his what he was talking had scientific um uh, bent to it yes and and that meditation had a had a very very um very rejuvenating experience very calming experience and it was it was a guided meditation but perhaps it was i don't know what it was i i still can't put a put a finger to okay what was it that got me that experience it was just right perhaps it was his calming voice it was um it was that energy of the group that that was in there whatever it was it was he said something and poof like i i slipped into meditation or whatever i thought at that time it was and when i when i came out it was some 20 minutes had passed on the clock and this is the longest period i had experienced a, a state of mind without any thoughts wow. michelle I, th- this was something a, a completely foreign concept to me yes um, and and it was precious i think we all want that so where did you go from there did you just decide you were going to try to meditate every day or did you continue to follow his work what where, where did you go next so in the days to follow i actually started doing a lot of scientific uh digging around i wanted to do some research so i, I did i love that. it you had to satisfy your your love I had brain. to i had yeah. to i had to make sure this was not uh 
some kind of woo-woo. This was not some sort of placebo that I had, um, you know, right. fallen into. Right. Um, so I, I wanted to know how actually it worked, you know. Yeah. Um, I was, I was professionally and, and, and through my education, I was trained not to take anything on its face value. Yes. Uh, you know, be that as it may, but it, that, that was my professional training. Yes. And unfortunately I, I was looking at this through the same lens. Um, and so while I was looking at it, the, the, my friend who had invited me to this talk, he said, you know, there's this, um, sky breath meditation, this technique, um, this breathwork technique, uh, that same Gurudev Shri Shri Ravi Shankar has, um, uh, has introduced, uh, and we are teaching it. Why, why would you, why don't you come and experience it? And it's something that I had been putting off for a long time. And I said, you know, fine, I'll come. And, and when I experienced that breath work, that was, that was like a change of orbits for me. You know, it's like, you know, you, you, you launched and then you, you're circling around in some orbit and then you experience another jolt of, of force and then you boom you, you you go to the next orbit and that was that's what that's what that breathwork did for me uh, it was very profound and that i i can't i can't even imagine how something as simple as just sitting and breathing there's nothing fancy nothing esoteric about it and it can create that sense of um uh wholeness that 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 brings that that stillness, that consolidation within, and and removes all that chitter chatter of the mind, and and makes you so present. Um, it, it was it was a matter of wow for me in that moment. It's so cool because we were talking before the interview started. I had mentioned that James Nestor had been on, and you had talked about breathwork. I didn't realize that. Um, James's book, which is Breath, the New Science of the Lost Art, when he took that first class that it was Sky Breath, which is the same breath work you did. What yeah, he sky mentioned, breath? Yeah, please. He mentions in that book, uh, in his book, uh, the Sanskrit name is Sudarshan Kriya. Okay. Uh, Su is proper, Darshan is vision, and Kriya is a purifying action. Okay. Um, and it was his ex- experience that he or his doctors could not explain which got him down the path of inquiry. Um, and, you know, coincidentally, it's the same sky breath that, that triggered my journey also. Um, um, but, but yeah, it's a, it's a very innocent breathing technique. You know, it uses yeah. the, the natural rhythms in our own breath. Okay. Um, and to, it uses these rhythms to bring coherence. Um, you know, we have all, we have these different functions we have physical functions, we have functions of cognition, we have perception uh, abilities, we um, we have intellect, we have, of course, the memory. Um, and all these uh, functions are constantly, there's a, there's a balancing act across these functions that helps us be around, be about in the world. There's constantly, you're, you're constantly tapping into these functions to live a, a meaningful life, to, to, to do what you have to do. And then when these functions go out of the rhythm, when there, there are stresses in, in, in these different layers, yes. that's when you feel not yourself. That's when, you know, stress, stress creeps in. That's when, you know, at, at the deeper end of the spectrum, depression and all these mental health illnesses come in. What sky breath does is it just harmonizes all these functions just through our action of breath. It's very simple. I, I, it's, and there's a scientific validation, which of course I had studied a lot before going in. <laughs> of course. <laughs> how it does, you know, how it activates your, um, your vagus nerve, which then balances your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, and how it reduces the flow of cortisol, the stress hormone, just in, you know, by 56% within two weeks of practicing all these scientific details that I won't bore you with, but, yeah. but at some point of time, all the scientific validation and, 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 and data started becoming secondary to me and the experience of that, that wholeness, the experience of being there in that moment, the experience of that stillness, it started taking over. And at that point I'm like, you know, 
it's okay. This this data will eventually catch up, but I want to right. keep going in this direction yeah. um, and, and, and explore the more dimensions of it. Okay. And if somebody were curious about learning about the sky breath, where would they even find a class or how would they learn more about it? Um, there's this nonprofit organization called Art of Living Foundation yes. that offers uh, sky breath. This is the Art of Living Foundation was started by uh, Shri Shri Ravi Shankar. Okay. Um, so you can go to artofling.org and look up a class, uh, you know, in your time zone, in your area, the okay. sky breath meditation. Um, I also volunteer my time and, and, you know, facilitate sky breath workshops. Um, so Where on my do you website, do it? yeah, what is your, yours? My website, uh, kushalchoksi.com, um, has the list of the next upcoming, uh, workshop that, that I'll be facilitating. Very cool. uh, but there are tons of, um, volunteers and instructors like myself out there around the world. Um, you know, almost 30,000 of us um, in, in more than 150 countries. So Amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I was telling you again before the interview started that I had done two breath work sessions with a gentleman who came on to talk about a different kind of, based on some yogic tradition too. It's a different kind of breath work. James is about the nasal breathing. I don't know if this is nasal breathing too. The other gentleman's is not. I I had a deeply profound and I don't know, I just felt sort of transported. And I thought there's something to, to this that it seems so simple, but yet it's, it's not. We need to breathe to live. It's at the heart of what keeps us, our heart beating and everything going. So it we're overlooking, I think, something so accessible um right oh absolutely i mean if you look at what keeps us going it's it's our our vital force that um in in ancient times they used to call it prana this subtle mm -hmm. force that that keeps us going and and we get it from four main sources you get it from food you get it from sleep you get it from breath and you get it from state of mind the calm meditative state of mind and the last two perhaps the more effective ones are the least, you know, uh, paid attention to. I, I think yeah. we, we, everyone breathes as we are listening to this or talking to, to each other, we are breathing. But, you know, 25,000 times a day that we breathe, how many times we're really aware of that path of breath and a little bit of awareness on it. And it just, just shifts the complete, you know, perhaps it's very obvious now, but it wasn't obvious when I, I, Acquired this practice in early 2000s, which was that there's a relationship between the state of mind and the breath. You know, it's like an angry person breathes differently. A person mm -hmm. who is in grief has a, a, yes. a sigh of longer exhalation. Yes. But the converse is also true. Like how, like how emotions drive the breath, if you learn to modulate your breath, it can control the state of mind. Mm. And and that's what the sky breath is kind of predicated upon. That just by learning to modulate our own breath through its rhythms, you can control how you feel, and your state of mind governs just your quality of life. That's simple. It's amazing. And so, did you just start meditating and doing the breath work daily? Tell take us again further into your journey. To I mean, here we are, twenty years later, and you seem pretty relaxed and happy to me <laughs> um yeah take us through what you what what where you went yeah um you know as a trader i was trained to look at return on investment in into everything yeah um and of course return on investment of time also and yes. here this was this one practice where there, it was kind of a gift that kept on giving even after i i, I completed the workshop i would do it every day just to feel so good you know just feel that i would do it like 20 minutes a day in the morning yes. and it would set the tone for the rest of the day it would okay. completely change how you know how i would show up at work how i um in my day-to-day -day relationships you know with my wife at you know with my boss everything it it i don't know if i can i can do justice by putting it into words but it was i could see the difference I could see the difference. And I, I, I briefly write about it in my book where one day I really remember it was um, a very cathartic day on, on financial markets. There was a, some of the market was crashing and 
things are going haywire. And for the first time, I did not see myself react like how people react on the trading floor, uh, which is quite animated, by the way. And, I can just imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and my boss, towards the end of the day, came to me and asked me if I was okay, if I was unwell, like I was, why my response was so muted. Yes. And and it was perhaps the first time I realized that, you know, I was really responding to situation rather than reacting to it, um, and responding to it in a way that that was more life supporting for me, uh, and and where I wanted to be. Yes. And so I that was the first time I actually felt like no, this this is working. There's something in it that's that's yeah. that's paying dividends. Yes. And. And so I kept doing it. Um, it's been now 16 years and, wow. and I, I, I practice it every day. Um, it's, you know, Michelle, the funny thing is no two experiences are the same. With the meditation and breathing? With, with the sky breath and the meditation. No two experiences of sky breath meditation are the same. It gives me and my system, my nervous system, my physical body, what it needs in that moment. Wow. Oh, I I've, just got chills from that. I love that. That's I've experienced, amazing. yeah. I mean, and I, I, I've learned this over a period of time. I've, um, you know, I there would be some days when I'd be extremely tired, and you know, it would give my body that nourishment that I need. Some days when I have tremendous amount of thoughts that I cannot do anything with, and it would quiet those thoughts down. It would really come and help me and give me what I need in that moment, you know, and, and that was, that was amazing. I thought. <laughs> that is amazing. I think we're all seeking more of that, especially with the last, you know, 18 months of what we've been through now. I oh, mean, what yeah. an unusual time. I want to ask you about that, but just quickly, are you following along? I know you, you teach it now, but in the early days or if somebody were to try, are you doing it on your own or are you following a guided, uh, like you know, somebody guiding you through it so through an app or something. I'm glad you you mentioned this, and this is the time when there were no smartphones. So of course there were no apps. Good point. <laughs> yep. Good so, point. But what really worked and what kept me accountable yes. was this community of like-minded folks who mm. were also practicing. Okay. And that community is even there today. Um, and if not for that community, if not for those friends who said. No, no, no! Don't give in to your mood of the mind today. Just, just come because I'm going. You know, yeah. just come. Uh, yeah. Those days we used to um, breathe in in person, and in, in you know, we used to meet in a, in a in a physical center and breathe. Uh, now we do it on the Zoom. Uh, you know, same experience, different yes. surroundings. Medium, yeah, yeah. Um, but but if not for that that um, band of brothers, the, not for that that community of like minded people. I would not have come so far. And that's what I loved about Skybreath is that there were, there were people who were there to support me on, mm. on, on this path. You know, after a point, this, it can get boring. So, and such was my experience that you keep breathing every day. Of course, you're feeling good, but sometimes you feel like, you know what? I had a late night last night, yeah. not today. Not, maybe right. I just need to sleep it off or right. maybe I'll watch... I'll finish Netflix. this episode of Netflix. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But in that moment, if there's someone who says, oh no, come, let's do it. It goes a long way. It does. And we all are craving community. I think if the pandemic did anything, it put a spotlight on just how much we need each other. And you look at how angry and volatile life is right now. And the oh, yes. People, there's unity is just non-existent in this, at, at least in the U.S. I don't know what it's like, honestly, in other countries, but it's palpable here. And it's, it's sad to me, actually, to see what's happening. And um, I think the remembrance of 9-11 was a memory of when actually people came together. Mm. Within the tragedy, there was a lot of beauty and uh, support and love. The love was there yeah. and now uh, there's, there's no, the love is not, I mean, there is love there, but it's not, it's not prevalent in the way that it was with that situation. So I would love your thoughts on, you know, your worldview on like, I, I don't know, just 
what can we be doing to bring more unity? I mean, maybe if people were breathing and meditating together, uh, the world would be a you know more harmonious place. But I just would love your you know sort of your your how your worldview has shifted based on your experience of having been a survivor and then watching what's going on in the world right now. You're absolutely right. I, I still remember the the next few days, you know, after 9-11, where the whole country had galvanized together, you know, you would walk out and there were people handing you water or, or you know, they were, they were just like out there to tell you, can I do something for you? Yes. And I feel that with, with whether it's through the passage of time or as the life took over, uh, perhaps the focus has moved from what can I do for you to what can I do for myself? Like it's just become such a, um, the approach or the focus has become very self, self-focused, self-centered. Yes. And, and I think um, that is one thing that's perhaps uh, creating that, that apathy that we see around us. Yeah. Um, also, I feel uh, to, to see a, a society, a community more thriving and more, um, more happy one has to be happy from within. Mm. Right? If, mm, if, you are, yeah. if you are if you are stressed, if you are not yourself, if you have something weighing you down, forget about showing up for others or, or forget about making some impact in, in outside in the outer world. So I feel that um, and something I learned from my teacher that, that outer change begins from inner change. Mm. And and not as an not as as, 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 as a lot of effort, not as like really doing hard, working hard towards it, but just by being, you know, just, just as a happening that when you are, when you practice these things, when you're more mindful, when you are in touch with yourself, that inner dimension, I think the world around us just becomes more, more pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe in collective energy as well. So if you're in that loving place and you actually visualize or intentionally send love out, that it truly is reaching everyone and that we are in fact one and that the illusion of separation is in fact just an illusion that we are not disconnected in the way that we think that we are. So, And there's science, science yes. has proven it out. There, there have been studies there's this uh, very well-known study called Maharishi effect, where it said that, you know, 1% of the population that meditates, it can have a huge impact in the community around it, not just oh. in the life of that person. And they did this study with, uh, and I, I, the details escape me at this moment, but in some particular area where they studied the, the level of uh, crime um, for, for, for certain days while they had some people sit there and meditate, uh, you know, eight hours a day. And wow. the, the level of crimes just, and everything that just significantly improved, it just came down. Wow. Um, and so I, 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 like how you said, I, I totally believe in, in power of uh, a collective coming together and, and even putting out an intention. Right. And fear, unfortunately, I think, to your point, makes people more self-focused because it becomes more of like a primitive survival energy versus um, th there's less room for that softening and remembering of how we are connected and that we are in fact each other's brothers and sisters. I mean, I had read something about there being an increase of fights on airplanes, like a 40% increase just in like the first three months of this year, 2021. And I thought, why are people fighting on the planes but everyone's so on edge? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think this this pandemic, if if anything, has has really uh, brought us back. In fact, for me, it has evoked the same emotions that that happened or that came up twenty years ago. Yes, yeah, I um, felt that. It, yes, it, there was definitely there were people were were isolated. There was, you know, people questioned everything that they did. Yes. You know, they, they question their work, they question their relationships, um, they, they question the meaning of everything and anything that they were doing. Yes. And so in, in that sense, it was, it was no different from, from a 9-11 for, for me personally. Yeah. Would, but it's advice? unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, so good. Sorry. Please. No, I was going to say any advice kind of with the lens that you have and the work that you've been doing. 
I, I think um, it's it's very important to to take that time for ourselves in in these times. You know, we, even in these times, um, I, I see that most of us look for that fulfillment outside. I mean, you see that the minute the things started becoming somewhat easier, yes. you know, travel opened up and people are just just traveling like and, and fighting on the planes and, and whatever, right? <laughs> So we're still constantly drawn outwards. We're looking for that, that what we're looking for that impulse to fulfill that void in something that's outwardly. Yeah. Uh, something that that's a that's something I did when I did not know any better. Yes. Um, I traveled the world and I did this and I did that to to fulfill. And so I can completely understand yes. wanting to go and eat out and go to a bar or, but just knowing that. Perhaps it's not a more sustainable modality. It can it can bring a momentary respite. It can bring some relief for for a few moments, maybe a day, maybe a week. But then you come back to that same state of, ugh, you know, yeah. what is this? You know, how long is this going to last? Yeah. And, and facing that that extended period of time when you are in your own company. Um, yeah. So I guess that taking that little time to be with yourself yeah. with some effort initially, and then let your experience guide you. Um, when you're faced with a challenge, uh, a situation of uncertainty, do you pray on it? Do you meditate on it? Do you, how, how do you approach it? And then how do you actually stay open for the clarity of the wisdom that wants to come through you? And I'll just layer one more piece to that. And do you believe that the answers are within waiting to reveal themselves um, and accessible? Yes, I think so. Um, I, I, I think that some of the biggest questions in, in life, um, and I'm not talking about answers to how do I go from point A to point B, right? That perhaps I can get it from Google Maps. So there are these <laughs> tactical yeah. answers that we seek yeah. uh, in life or, or how to approach this situation and perhaps looking for those things inward is not probably as helpful but some of the most um, bigger like existential questions if one may have I think those questions cannot that Google cannot answer those um, those questions have to be answered from within I feel um, and and um, and yeah you know I also feel that as you meditate, as you um, as you find that that space, and especially my experience with Skybread, it refines your perception, it refines your intuition, mm. it refines your uh, ability to discriminate. And when those faculties are more um, honed, well honed, then it becomes that much easier to move through life, no matter like irrespective of the circumstances. It, you you move without without being stuck. Um, even, of course, life happens, you know, things happen. Yes. You experience joy, you experience loss, and, and those things will pull you down. But yes. it you will stay with those experiences, but not their emotional grip per yes. se. And and that has been my personal experience. And that's that's something I would not trade for anything else. Yes. And use the word intuition. Um, does your intuition guide you? Do you feel connected to it? And, and you know to trust it now, I imagine. Yes, yes, for sure. That, that um, um, you know, it's, it's very hard to say, oh, this is my intuition versus um, this is something that I'm, my imagination. You know, sometimes when you make a concept out of it, 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 can, it can become a little challenging. Cloudy. To dis- yeah. To, yeah, cloudy to, to discern between the two. But, but yes, I mean, um, I have seen without again putting much effort or without saying, okay, now I'm gonna close my eyes and tap into my intuition. Yes. Not like that. No. But when I'm 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 um I see myself this over and over again that I'm uh, in the in the spur of the moment when I have to make a decision and I make a, a particular I choose a particular way, going down that path and looking back, I feel I made the right choice. Um so in that sense, yes, I I I feel that my intuition has has been uh, uh, more of a friend now than it ever, ever was. 
Yes, especially with an analytical mind. I mean, I'm somebody who likes to research. I don't, you know, I wasn't in finance, but I definitely like to look for the answers, even though I feel like my intuition is very strong, but it's not always easy to trust it, even though when you know you've trusted it, it never steers you down the wrong path. And then when you don't trust it and you second guess it, it usually kind of gives you a little smack on the face and say, hey, I told you, (laughs) you should listen to me. I was talking to you, but you didn't want to hear it. And so maybe you'll trust me next time. Yes. (laughs) Um, Do you have a different view life view now in terms of like why we're here? I mean, not to get too deep, but you know, I just curious, do you have a sense of the meaning? I mean, I'm going to go a little deep. I guess that is deep, but I'm just curious. I think we are here to make the most of life. We are here to enjoy. We are here to really be the best version of ourselves Mm -hmm. and and move towards that and and, and evolve in that direction. Um, I, I think you know, life is given, the senses are given to us to really enjoy the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I feel that few moments of, of retrieving inwards makes it even more juicier, even more fulfilling to, to be able to do that. I love that. Well, let me just um, ask you about Elements Truffles, which you co-founded with your wife. So at some point you left Wall Street, were you feeling, I, I saw in your book that that was sort of a dream that maybe you were going to put off till retirement or something, but how did you, how did you and your wife decide to start it? Now, just, I will say it's, it's an artisanal chocolate company built on the values of Ayurveda, sustainability, and giving back and ethical trade. So how did you end up with your chocolate um, company? It was just, you know, my wife and I, we waited a long time to uh, to do something together. Uh, she was also a Wall Street trader and we used to literally live like roommates, you know, if at all seeing each other on, on weekends. <laughs> and at some point of time, we said, all right, you know, enough of this grind and let's do something together. Yes. And two things that kept coming uh, was meditation and, and chocolates at the top of the list of things that make us happy. And uh, so I said, all right, let's, let's create something that has a real impact uh, at the intersection of these two things. And so the Ayurveda-inspired chocolates were born. And uh, um, yeah, it's, you know, we work directly with the farmers uh, in uh, impoverished regions of Ecuador. We get their produce without a middleman. Um, you know, we, they're ethically sourced and ethically made, wow. mindfully made. The team meditates. Um, and and twenty five percent of the profits are are donated towards education of underprivileged children. So you know we wanted to create something that has uh, that has a lot of heart from from supply chain to all the way the to the end consumer, um, and also something that that gives us joy. Well, and it makes other people happy too. <laughs> it makes people happy. We, who doesn't? Well, not everyone loves chocolate, but I, I think most people love chocolate. <laughs> um, I might have to have you and your wife back on just to talk about the entrepreneurial path on how to how did you figure all that out. But that would be a separate <laughs> interview. Is there anything I didn't ask that you really want to leave people with today? From you know what you wanted to impart from your book and and the work that you've discovered that's been so healing and empowering in your life. I think we talked about everything. Um, perhaps one one of my learnings um, from my teacher and through this practice of meditation is that, you know, a part uh, a me from twenty years ago was constantly in action, like wanting to do, 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 like achieve, achieve, run, 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 and there was no. Um, it was all about effort. Uh, there was no letting go. And then what mm-hmm. I learned through this breathwork technique is. In life, there is room for both. There's, they both coexist, effort and effortlessness. Like to, to, to give your 100%, to do everything that you have, to get to a certain point and then let go um, and, and let, let it happen. Um, and that, that process of letting go can be a little, iffy, a little scary to, and little, you, you, one, one can be very unsure of how that may feel. Uh, because our, our culture, our upbringing has taught us to not let go of control. You know, we want That's to be right. in control at every moment. <laughs> so as scary or as um, ethereal or out there it may sound, perhaps it's worth trying it, uh, you know, and, and there's a magic really happens when, when, when you let go. 
What a beautiful place to end. Uh, just a fantastically interesting conversation. I really enjoyed this. I know my audience will. I would love to direct them to every place they can find you, which will be over on my website at thegoodlifecoach.com. And on the show notes page, I want to be able to direct them. So give us your, your various handles, including for the chocolate company, for anyone who wants to check that out. Sure. My website, kushalchoksi.com, yes. where you can find the links to the book uh, on Amazon or the stores. Um, my social handles, my, I'm, I'm fairly active as a first-time author on social media ever. Where, where are you? Where, where do you tend to hang out? Which which social? Instagram and, and Facebook. Okay. And uh, Are you um, Kushal Choksi on there too? Uh, I am Choksi108 on Instagram. Okay. And again, I will link this to make it easy for yeah, people to find. Sure. It's my last name followed by number 108 on yes. Instagram. Okay. And um, our, our chocolates are sold on the brand called Elements Truffles, elementstruffles.com. Uh, you can find more about it on our website. And the, and the Sky Breath, we can find you if somebody Sky wants to take a class with you. With me, it's on my website on kushalchoksi.com or go to artofliving.org and um, you know, look up for sky breath meditation workshops and look me up as an instructor and my, my upcoming offerings will pop up. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to be uh, checking that out. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for writing your beautiful memoir, your book, and um, just very grateful to have had you share today. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.